Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another call of How to Speak Maintenance. I'm really excited about this. I've got a lot of passion behind this topic. Pretty excited to be able to talk to two of our guests. we got Christy Rodriguez from Judwin Properties and Jimmy McClung from Luma Residential. So thanks, thanks everybody, for joining. So on our last call, we talked about HVAC preventative maintenance. We talked about being proactive versus reactive. I think that's super important. In the end, if you think about it, I mean, we all want to go home and enjoy our work-life balance. And if we can do anything we can to be able to prevent uh, maintenance emergencies or issues after hours, I mean, PM work is going to do that for you, right? Exactly. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jimmy, um, what what do you... um, I mean, how much passion do you have behind PMs? I mean, tell, tell me about what you do for Luma and uh, how you, uh, you know, walk your communities and make sure things are getting done. Well, within Luma Residential, we do have a very proactive approach on PMs. We do interior PMs, exterior PMs, mechanical preventative maintenance PMs, and HVAC. Uh, as far as like an introduction, I've been with Luma Residential for uh, 16 years this year, I uh, was on site from moving from Porter through all the way through the ranks and all the way up to where I am today. Uh, I cover a lot of risk management and safety with LumaCorp and uh, also take care of all of our great regionals that we have. And uh, That's awesome. No, it, it's all about being proactive and, and it sounds like you're all about being in, expect, inspecting what you expect, right? Yes, you you have to inspect what you expect always. And if you don't have ways to back up what you expect, so you have to have some type of systematic processes set up, whether it be computerized or on paper. Uh, We still use a lot of paper for our PMs and, you know, we set a lot of goals for our guys and we inspect those. We inspect those properties two times a year, checking, checking on all that stuff. So that's awesome. And Christy, why don't you tell us uh, what, what you guys do at Jubbin Properties and that and how important PM work is for you guys? Yeah. So first of all, thank you guys for having me on as the management representative in the maintenance world. Um, it's an honor to be here. And I would just say, um, again, my name is Christy Rodriguez. I'm with Jubbin Properties here in Houston. Um, and, you know, being on the management side of things, I will just tell you, um, doing many takeovers and dispositions, acquisitions in my career, I think it's so important and crucial as a management team to really understand the property and analyze the property um, holistically as a whole as you begin to approach a PM program or preventative maintenance program to determine, you know, what that work really needs to entail. I think we kind of have sometimes, you know, uh, a bigger picture approach of what you know, the necessities that have to be done, but every property has something specific to it. As the management folks know that are taking those service requests on site, um, you know, there are some sometimes certain properties that have, you know, um, characteristics and opportunities and challenges that come along with them. So we think it's so important to really, you know, consider that. And the management team is really a crucial piece of that understanding as you uh, look to put your programs together. No, that's really important. I like what you said. It's, it's not cookie cut. Better, right? right. You have to make sure it's prescriptive per property. So uh, that that's really important. Hey, Jimmy, last time we spoke, you talked about HVAC and 
and and and in recruiting the residents and having them help you like uh, before the season started. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. So we do uh, heating season and cooling season. So being proactive, we try to, um, you know, send out email blasts, getting everybody to turn their units on, especially during heating season, whenever you're getting those, it's burning the dust and stuff off the heating elements. And then all of a sudden you start getting these calls at one or two o'clock in the morning, because that's when the cold front hit. Or the same with air conditioning, you know, whenever you, you know, around March or April, you can kind of feel when the weather's coming up and the temperatures are going up and that's when it's time to send out that blast. And, you know, you don't want to turn them on when it's 60 degrees, but you kind of got to fill it out and get to that point. And that's the day you do it. And everybody turns them on to make sure they work. Condenser coils are not something that we wait and clean in May, June and July. You know, you have to be very proactive on that. In your downtimes during the summer, in the wintertime, when it's not so busy through January, February, March, especially into February, March, and start to warm it up a little bit. You know, in Texas, you never know what it's going to do. We have 90 degree days. You know, we could get a freeze too, so you don't know. But anyways, getting that stuff done before the heat comes is uh, very important. Um, if you don't, you're just going to end up with a bunch of call outs and stuff that you you shouldn't have. So condenser coil cleans, checking uh you know, low voltage wiring, just doing a real good thorough inspection inside and outside and having the residents help you do that. So. And you can check out uh, the first episode of How to Speak Maintenance. It's all about HVAC and preventative maintenance or in the replay. That's great. Yeah, we talked about prescriptive PMs, right? So Christy hit on that. And, you know, if you look at a property and you look at all the, the all the different PM work that needs to be done, it could be kind of, kind of uh, daunting, right? I mean, it could be a little overwhelming. So, I mean, it almost feels like everybody needs to be a part of it. You know, Christy, you had talked about even having the office as you know part of the PM program. Do you, know, do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So I think it's so crucial as leaders, you know, you look at your team, right? And one of the things that you evaluate and when you're, you know, building a team even or, you know, acquiring a team is, you know, what are the different strengths? And everyone has strengths. But some of the PM work is so simple and so um, things that can be done when, uh, for instance, a leasing professional is going to walk their tour route for the day um, and they're walking by the pool gate or, you know, making sure that that's working well, taking a notebook or an iPad if you're, you know, if you're paperless um, and making notes about different things that you see along the way. I think it's important as leaders um, and in the management side specifically and, and also the service service team and the service supervisors, and they look at their team and they go, okay, who's strong at what? And making sure that we have uh, delegated those tasks out and spread out the love is like I what I like to say, spread the love. It shouldn't fall to just one person. I think oftentimes, you know, the management team is so focused on getting the PM checklist done that, you know, they hold the, the maintenance lead accountable to that. And then the maintenance lead assumes all that responsibility and says, I got to get all this done. And, you know, they check everything off. Um, and I think it's it's important that this is a team approach and that everyone has a part to play and, and um, has a piece of it. Um, and I think and when you look at it that way, then it doesn't all fall on one person and everybody's working to d- together more collaboratively on the entire PM program. Right. No, that's that's awesome. I love the team approach. You know, sometimes our supervisors, like you said, kind of feel like, like it's all on them and they have to be the ones that accomplish all of it. 
But if you have 20 exhaust bands up on your roof and you have boilers and you have cooling towers and all this stuff, it, it could get overwhelming. So, you know, Jimmy, you, uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, dividing the tasks up among your entire team, maybe even having a make ready tech, if you have them within your company, having them be a part of it. There's so many different guidelines that Luma residential have, and we have so many different uh, guidelines on from interior preventative maintenance, like I said at the beginning, you know, to exterior preventive maintenance and just mechanical and HVC and light checks. And you got irrigation checks and you got quarterly filter changes and monthly PMs and interior. You just got all of that stuff. And you've got to learn how to delegate it and chunk it out. And you, and you've got, you can even delegate stuff to the office. I mean, office staff can do light checks. Uh, office staff can go out and do walk a building and do an exterior preventative maintenance checklist. You know, there's nothing, nothing worse than, uh, Deferred maintenance, because sometimes I think it's better for office, honestly, to do exterior preventative maintenance, because whenever, you know, sometimes services doing that, they might not want to write down all they see because they know it's more work and then it ends up deferred maintenance, right? So you got to break it all down, spread it out, you know, throughout my week, I just had bins Monday through Friday, and I would put all of the paperwork in those bins from the preventative maintenance to the exterior to the monthly maintenance, irrigation checks, whatever. And each person on the staff from the service manager, even me and service tech, maintenance techs, porters, housekeepers, and maybe some leasing or, you know, even the manager, they all knew which part they did and they all knew which day it was in. So those checklists were ready for them in those days. That's the worst part about it. Sometimes if somebody goes, well, now I got to print it out. I got to get it ready and all that. But if you're proactive and you've got it ready for them and you have a systematic approach to that, it's real simple. They just go pick their paperwork up and they go do it and they turn it in and everybody gets the job done. Jimmy, I have to imagine, Christy, to you too, and Jason, that that team approach also helps the office understand when a maintenance tech isn't available for something because they have to they can understand that the preventative maintenance work helps everyone long term. Um, maybe Chris, you can talk about a little bit about how you can sort of train the office to be to speak maintenance. The the reason we're doing this whole show. Um, is to better understand all that goes into the job and all the work that happens and how to um, be a little more understanding when things like that come up. I think it's great. I think, you know, as a management person and and sometimes the management team kind of has a tendency to not be as technical or technically trained on systems. And let's face it, our industry is moving towards, I mean, we've got some beautiful buildings um, with very intricate systems that can be intimidating, quite frankly, to the office teams. And so one of the things that I really uh, preach on is, you know, when you're walking a vacant or when the vacant turn is happening, that is a prime opportunity to get some of the PM work done. And um, oftentimes companies, we have it, you know, vacant unit checklist or make ready checklist. And that's a part of the program as well. And I think it's really coming at it from a curious standpoint, um, asking questions. Personally, I've learned a lot over the years by just asking questions. The maintenance team want the office team to understand because guess what? When they speak maintenance and they, you know, can do a better job of um, interacting with that resident when they're getting that service request or when they're, you know, 
writing their service request, it's going to make for a better improved customer experience in the long run for everyone, both internally and externally. So I think, you know, being curious and asking questions and learning your property um, and, and, you know, the, the office team really has to have a vested interest in wanting to know those things too. Um, and so it's it's really the lead, it's on leadership to really make that a focal point. Um, and you know, again, I, I love the whole inspect what you inspect, Jimmy, because I completely agree. It's all about inspecting what you inspect as well. Um, so every time that I step foot on property, I always try to, you know, be a role model for the office team and ask questions of, I always bring the maintenance team with me, the maintenance leader with me. Let's bring him on the walk when we're going to walk units. Let's bring, you know, let's all do this together and ask those questions to, to train them and, and, and let them see that it's okay to ask questions. I mean, it's okay to not know everything because I think sometimes the management team feels like they have to beat the know-it-all and it's okay to not know it all. Um, but just to, you know, have a better understanding, it's going to help us all. So I hope that answered your question. There's, there is something learned anew every day, Christian. I love it the way that you talked about, you know, it helps the, the, the office staff learn how to create a work order and it helps them get it on paper to where we understand what we're supposed to be going and doing. And with it just, I love that, that thought. Yeah. Uh, I love how this conversation has gone towards our vacant apartments. If you do a solid turn and you do preventative maintenance work, you complete preventative maintenance work in your turnovers. In the end, you're going to have a a better product for your residents. And at the same time, you're going to minimize those service requests and those emergencies, right? So for example, snaking a drain during a a turn, if you know that you have a bunch of uh, backups and drains that get clogged after a resident moves in, why not do that preventative maintenance? Why not, you know, snake the drain or like we discussed on the last call, checking your capacitor, right? You guys do that at uh, Luma, correct? Checking capacitors. Oh yeah, we check, they pretty much check everything. I mean, we, we have a make ready checklist that we use that pretty much covers all of that information. And, and it's not, what a great bit of time, you know, whenever you're trying to, you have your maintenance techs in there and they're doing the make readies and it's, and you're, and you're teaching them how to check the HVAC and how to check the heat and how to use the gauges. And, and it helps promote them too. So they can, they'll get interested and they'll want to take their HVAC and get their EPA and move on up in the ranks. So it's a perfect opportunity for training these guys in heating and air conditioning at that time, not just go in there and change out the bulbs and the faucets. I mean, you know, it's a great time to teach them all the aspects of, of what maintenance is about. So. Oh, that's great. I mean, it, in the end, we have a lot of things that we have to do at all of our communities, right? And, we, and we, we've hit on that. You got booster pumps, we have uh, drains that need to get PM. With all this information, it's it's hard to track it. You know, if you're a small company, maybe you don't have the resources. Maybe some of the bigger property management companies have. You gotta you gotta find ways of tracking it. So, you know, why don't we talk about that? Let's discuss um, how you guys are tracking PM work and and how do your teams know what to do and when? I'll chime in. I'll tell you what. I, I came from a very large management company before I came to Judwin. And uh, where we had all the bells and whistles and all the systems and, you know what I mean, all of the software and all of those things. And so when you, you know, are in a smaller company, sometimes you're like, well, we don't have all of those things, you know, 
how do we track it? And I will tell you here, generally, when we, you know, we utilize Google Drive a lot. Um, and, you know, just a basic Google Sheets uh, spreadsheet that really tracks daily, weekly, monthly, you know, biannually, annually PM work. And it's paperless. The beautiful thing is you can download the app. You know, Google Drive has an app. It can be downloaded to any device. We do have tablets on site. Um, and so that's one way. But let's face it. There is still the, the paper. The, there's something to be said for the paper. We're not quite yet, yet there with our industry yet. Um, you know, that tangible piece of paper is just so awesome. So we do have some, you know, some uh, maintenance teams that really want that paper. And so they'll, you know, hand do it as well. So we kind of work both ways um, and, you know, try to appease to both sides when it comes to that. Um, so I think, you know, really kind of just looking at, you know, what tools can you use and what can, you know, what do you have at your fingertips? I know some of the larger companies have certain softwares they use that are very specific um, about different tasks that need to happen. So, but that's how we do it here at Judwin. I'm a big Google Drive fan. So, yeah. but um, it's, it, you know, but putting it in a place where everybody has access to it is is key. It's crucial. So, Hey, Jimmy, how do you guys do it at Luma? So we still do some of our processes through paper, which I like because I can inspect it that way. And I can tell if you've just been going like <laughs> a computer, you can actually do that. But nobody can really tell because everything is exactly cookie cutter the same. With looking at it on paper with a pen, you can kind of tell if they've just been checking the boxes, you know, differently because we ask for comments and different stuff out beside that. We also have another systematic approach that we use with our properties is uh, called service checklist, which, uh, which is weighed out uh, with scores and can affect managers bonuses and even service managers bonuses. And it's broken up into two different, uh, two different sections. Uh, one section is over processes and another sections over integrity of grounds. Uh, they're quite lengthy. It usually takes, a person that I work with, Jenny Godek, uh, within Luma Residential, her and I do those inspections together. It takes about four, four or five hours to really do one. And we we visit the properties for those inspections, just those two, two times a year. And one's over processes and then the next one's over integrity of grounds. And we we keep that in SharePoint and that's all kept in SharePoint. So we do some paper and we do we use SharePoint a lot. I can see us moving more into SharePoint with a lot of other our stuff. But some of it I still like to see on paper. No, I agree. You know, it's 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 important that you have some way of tracking it. I like you you talked about incentivizing uh, PM work as well, and that's yeah. that's crucial. I mean, if you're if you're expecting your employees to go do PM work and and make sure that the property is running as efficiently as possible, then incentivizing them to want to be a part of it is great. And I think it all kind of ties back to everything, right? If you get the office involved, if you get the maintenance team involved, if you break everything down into chunks and then you reward good behavior and make sure that everybody is is, uh, invested in the PM process then it definitely helps out. The service checklist gets everybody involved. It's just not a service manager thing. It's just not a manager thing. And it's just not, you know, it, it, it's weighed, like I said, and you start taking away managers' bonuses. They, they start learning maintenance and they want to know why. And this is like this. And the reason we're not doing this right. And, and it, it helps to get everybody involved. So a very big group effort. So. Don't take my bonus away, Jimmy, please. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> it happens. Trust me. There's nothing that gets a manager's attention more than that. So I think that's yeah, a great exactly. strategy. I might, I might yeah. steal it just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take away a monthly bonus, they get back on track real quick. Piggyback on what you were saying about sometimes yeah. you can tell if you know it's just been not necessarily doctored. I don't want to use that word, but you can tell that it's not really been thought through some of the tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I learned early on in my career. You know, pool maintenance is a huge one right? And so, you know, testing the water. And so, um, you know, a great uh, regional maintenance director took me under his wing one time and said, okay, now let me show you these logs and tell you why this could be a red flag. And one of them was, you know, the pH level was the same for all 30 days of the month. And he said, there's just no way that that could be. And so it was a great learning opportunity for me as the supervisor at the time, because I didn't know, like, I don't know, you know, what, what to look for. And so again, I think, you know, again, it's being curious, asking questions. um, And even for the, for the management team, you know, um, when they're reviewing those checklists and reviewing all of the, you know, the PM work that's being done, however, it's being documented, asking questions and setting aside a time with your maintenance lead to, you know, go through it. Um, because they've put a lot of work into these, um, you know, checklists um, sure and are. just asking questions. I think it's a great opportunity just to have that dialogue because sometimes what ends up coming out of those is, is like, hey, we need to have a capital conversation about, with the ownership because we we have some issues here. But if the management team is just getting the checklist and forwarding them over to the corporate office and not really looking at it, they're, they're missing an opportunity to really have a conversation about how to, you know, at the end, make the property operate better, reduce the number of service requests and improve the resident retention, which is what we all want um, because that makes the revenue go up, right? So it all kind of starts there. So I wanted to make that comment because I think it's really relevant. Jamie and I, we spent time on every single property. We did what was called manager's pool class and we went out to every property. It was about a It's about a four to five hour class that we spent with them inside, teaching them safety with pools and and, and all that different stuff. And then we went out to the pool and we went to the pool room and we looked at the pumps and we taught all of the managers all of that so that they understood whenever something was broke. There's nothing I like more than a manager asking questions, especially to a guy that thinks that he knows it all. And she's asking him a question all of a sudden. How did you know that? So it kind of catches them off guard. So I think that's a that's kind of fun whenever I see that happen. It's great. You know what? You know what I really like is you guys keep hitting on one thing that's really important is communication. Mm-hmm. Is making sure that you're communicating together as a team and working out the PMs together, showing each other what needs to be done and how. Even show the maintenance team how to how to PM the the printer or the 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 copy machine, right? Exactly. You know, but in the end, if if, if you're communicating and you're coming up with a plan to implement your PM schedule, then you're going to be more likely to make sure it actually happens. And then you won't feel like you need a doctor in reports because in the end, right, you, you, it's a lot of stuff that we need to go touch. And if you're waiting for that perfect week to happen, right, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't even found that perfect week where it comes up and I've got nothing else to do and I've got plenty of time to go in every single apartment. Right. So. It's important to nibble on it and make sure that you're, you're you're accomplishing pieces at a time and making sure that you're doing it as a team. So I think, Christy, you had, you had hit on the, the 911 phones, the emergency phones at the pool yeah. and, and the office team testing it, right? 
Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really easy one, right? So, you know, going up to the 911 phone and, and testing it, you know, pushing the button. I think management team sometimes goes, oh, I can't touch that, you know, and the reality is yes, and you should be. So testing the 911 phone and, you know, in calling and saying this is a test, just, you know, making sure that it's right. working. Um, that is something that we should be doing. Um, the, the gates. I mean, how many times do, does the management team walk by a pool gate? You know, are you testing it at, at a small angle, a middle angle and a large angle? I don't know the exact terminology, obtuse and all of that. But, you know, the three different ways to make sure it closes, right? Um, these are all things that the management team easily can do while they're walking their tour routes or, you know, what have you. But if it's not a part of your program and it's not being, you know, um, it's just an afterthought. It's not going to do be done consistently. So I would say assign that to someone and make sure it's happening. Um, and I think it's really important, though, that you know the management team take a vested interest in that um, as they're you know and utilize your time effectively, right? I mean, you're already walking. You're walking right by it. Might as well do it. Yeah, it's it's funny you talk about pools. I had this great moment yesterday with this manager, and she called and says, "I need to call somebody. My pool gates aren't working. You got a iPhone?" Uh, and she goes, "Yeah." So let's FaceTime. And so here we go. And she's FaceTiming her. We're walking over there. And it's got the can slam on it. It's got the little cylinder. And you turn the cylinder, and that's what makes mm-hmm. it close faster or slower, right? So I'm going to pop the cover off. I said, you see that little cylinder? Turn it just a little bit. So she turns a little bit. And I said, now open it and shut it. Because the gate was staying open about that far. So she adjusted it. And whenever she was done, she went, oh, my God. I just learned something today. I could teach all of my guys how to fix pull gates. And she was just ecstatic about it. And it was just, it was greatness. It just was that moment that she had right then and there. So yeah, pull gates, PMs, teaching people how to do it. It's what it's all about. I love those moments where you get to, you know, take somebody into a, a pump room and show them the system and teach them the basic fundamental you know, processes, how it operates and how to test it and what to look for. Because when we all have the eyes and we're all looking at PM work and we're making it happen or communicating, then our properties are going to be more efficient. We're going to save on expenses and we're going to make sure that we're tracking things from year to year because we all know that through turnover, we can lose a lot of information as well. And, you know, somebody retains all the information up in their head and they know what to do. But as soon as they move on to the next community, that's when all that information goes away. So important to make sure that it's tracked properly. PM work has a huge impact on the ticket load at the community, the service request load. It has a huge impact on expenses and work-life balance. And that's why I'm a big fan of PM work. I, I like to go home at night and know that whatever I did during that eight hours is going to allow me the time to be able to to stay at home and be able to sleep and know that nothing's going to, well, I, I minimize as much as possible. Right. We all know you're not going to get away with it from everything, but not, nothing's a hundred percent. Nothing's a hundred percent. So, but I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I minimize it as much as possible. So exactly. in the end though, we got to make sure that we're, we're tracking it properly and we're not utilizing some of these, uh, you know, dry erase boards in our maintenance shops. I, I tried to find a, a dry erase board. All I could find was this push pin board, cork board. But, you know, I, I don't, I'm a big fan of also getting rid of dry erase boards. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Jimmy and, and Christy, but a dry erase boards, I mean, you can wipe your hand on it and be able to delete a bunch of information. 
I'm not I'm not a fan at all, especially of a dry erase make make ready board. I am not a fan. So anyway, that's just me. Everybody does things different. So. What a good lead-in, Jason, to our next episode of How to Speak Maintenance, Getting Rid of the Dry Erase Board. And I, I have the feeling that a lot of people might share your, your um, feelings about this. And so we'll look forward to hearing about that. Uh, Jimmy and Christy, thank you so much. Jason, awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone.